0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.06 Central Daylight Time. It's the 31st of March 2020. This is episode 225 a Bitcoin Ant and Corey clipston has tweeted out something as of yesterday let's see what uh old cory has to say Corey, ceo of swan bitcoin and uh some other things by the way but swan is the one that's kind of been in the news uh in the bitcoin news as of late <clears throat> we'll get into all that here in a sec but uh he says so about that bitcoin thing we're selling it now on swan launched today and he links uh, he's actually retweeting something from swan bitcoin itself that says we needed a better way to buy bitcoin so we built it we're now live in 49 u.s states sorry new york automatic recurring buys automatic withdraws lowest fees in the united states forever bitcoin only world-class education Join us today, swanbitcoin.com. That's swanbitcoin.com. Again, swanbitcoin.com. God, I I need a I need to learn how to do one of those uh uh tractor pull voices. Friday, Friday, Friday. Swan Bitcoin completely destro- destroys everything. Uh, I don't know, man. <clears throat> I'll figure out how to work the reverb unit on my on my uh, DAG here after a while. Anyway, so. Swan Bitcoin is live, Uh, so if you have been waiting to use said Swan Bitcoin, go over to swanbitcoin.com, give it a whirl, see how that shit works, and uh, eh, have fun with your Bitcoin. I guess that's all I'm saying, because you know who's not having fun with Bitcoin? Egyptians. Egyptians are not, are not, not, not having fun with their Bitcoin, because... I guess a lot of them don't have it, and they're still depending on their banks. So we're going to read this one, and always keep in mind as I read the words of this particular long, moving, slow going train wreck that uh, this is this is why we Bitcoin. Egypt's banks told to limit withdrawals and deposits. This is Reuters writing for March on March the twenty ninth for the New York Times, or not for the New York Times. New York Times is picking up a Reuters article. And I don't know. Let's see if I can find out who wrote it. Uh, reporting by Ihab Farouk. Additional reporting by Omar Fahmy and Ahmed Tolba. Uh, writing is by Amina Ishmael. Editing by Nick McPhee, David Goodman, and Diane Kraft. So there, there is your appropriate accreditation. Cairo, <clears throat> March the 29th. Egyptian banks have been instructed to apply temporary limits, yeah, temporary, on daily withdrawals and deposits in a move seemingly designed to control inflation. Oh, that's so sweet at hoarding. During the coronavirus's spread, the daily limit for individuals would be 10,000 Egyptian pounds, that's $635 US, and 50,000 pounds for companies, a central bank statement said, though businesses will be exempt from the withdrawal limits if the money is used to pay employees. Hmm. How do you prove that? So game of bullets, not even funny. The central bank has also limited daily ATM withdrawals and deposits to 5,000 Egyptian pounds, it said in a statement. Central bank governor Tarek Amir said on a talk show late on Sunday that 30 billion Egyptian pounds, $1.9 billion US have been withdrawn from banks in the past three weeks. Quote, we found that individuals are withdrawing money from the banks, although they did not need it. Okay, I'm sorry. Aside, how the F do you determine whether or not I need my money? I did, did you come and ask me? Did you send me an email saying, hey, what did you need the money for? Not that any of that would be good either. No. Okay, although they did not need it is an asinine statement. You don't know what they needed. Now, is it possible that somebody withdraw withdrew money and did not need it? Yeah. Does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. It's their freaking money. That's like going around and saying to telling somebody, you know what? You don't need your house. I think we're just gonna I think we're just gonna lock you out of that son of a bitch. You know, you don't need your car. You don't need any of your freaking property. Again, people, this is why we Bitcoin. Is it because number go up? That's a nice meme, but it's not necessarily m- number go up it's so that assholes like this can never look at me and say i'm not going to let you withdraw your money because you know what you don't need it <laughs> sorry pal you don't get my bitcoin anyway they withdrew 30 billion pounds in the past three weeks we want some discipline oh discipline! we live in a society and we have to think of others amir said the central bank has also urged people In the statement to limit their use of banknotes and to rely on electronic transfers and e-payments, adding that it instructed banks to cancel fees on transfers and e-payment methods for the citizens' convenience. Hmm. Not official, but I heard it was designed to control hoarding and inflation, said one analyst who asked not to be named. This could reduce hoarding and panic buying and contain prices, a second analyst said. Egypt reported 33 new coronaviruses uh, or cases and four fatalities on Sunday, bringing the totals to 609 confirmed infections and 40 deaths. Egypt ordered mosques to shut their doors to worshippers for two weeks from March the 22nd. The Ministry of Islamic Endowment said on Sunday that it would extend the closure indefinitely. So there you go. Again, uh, guys, this is why we Bitcoin. If you're not a Bitcoiner at this point, you for whatever reason listen to the show and you're and you wonder why we give a shit? This is exactly why we give a shit. I'm just saying, man, this is ridiculous, dude. You can't just keep people away from their property whether it's money uh real estate, uh automobiles, airplanes, yachts. I don't give a shit. I really don't care if I, I just don't care. If it's if it's a private citizen's property, then that citizen is entitled to their private property. I'm sorry. That's there's there's no if, ands, or buts. There's no reasoning. And if you try to come up with a reason why this should be done, You can go F yourself, okay, because you don't really necessarily need to be on this planet with the rest of us. Now, speaking of a whole bunch of people that don't need to be on the planet with the rest of us, Cardano community is outraged, outraged by Cardano staking cartel in Shelly Testnet. A large number of staking pools in the Cardano community have formed an alliance on the Shelly Incentivized Testnet. Other members have criticized the alliance for promoting centralization this is uh garg writing for uh, CryptoBriefing.com. sometime yesterday a group of roughly 30 staking pools has formed an alliance gonna vote the rest of them off the island i guess on cardano shelley testnet to make block production oh more efficient however the group called the interstake pool peering agreement or the isppa was criticized by the Cardano community, with many saying that it goes against the decentralization principle on which Cardano was built. Well then, don't allow staking. We'll get into that. Several stake pool operators on Cardano Shelley incentivized testnet have banded together to form an allegiance. (gasps) The group called the Interstake Pool Peering Agreement explained that the allegiance involves connecting the pools and relay nodes into constantly exchanging data this the group said means that all the nodes in the group will form a huge cluster located all over the world adding a fourth layer of communication on top of cardano's existing three quote the main intention of this agreement is to test for and try to achieve an even better networking infrastructure and propagation of blocks than with each pool operator running on his own during the itn the group explained on their their official website one of the members of the group posted a re- on Reddit to explain how it works, saying that it wasn't any different than making private networks on the testnet. The member also noted that this was not an exclusive list of preferred peers, so other stake pools were free to connect to any other peer on the network. ISPAs, uh, actually, I think that's ISPPAs uh, formation hasn't been well received. However, the Cardano community took to social media channels. To burn witches at the stake. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. To criticize the group for going against Cardano's central principle, decentralization. No, it's not. The first argument against the ISPPA was that it consisted mostly of large pools with huge amounts of ADA to stake on the network. According to ISPPA's website, the pool operators in the group produced between 12 and 13 percent of the blocks in the network at any given time. While ISPPA said that it had no plans to expand. And was keeping the group only in the Shelley test net, many wondered what would stop the group from banding together more pools and eventually forming a coordinated attack on the network. Some Reddit users pointed out that the 31 pools in the ISPPA currently stake around 1.2 billion ADA or ADA, which is just under 10% of the total amount of ADA currently staked in the Shelley incentivized test net or the ITN. With around 1,000 pools operating on the ITN, the group's dominance on the network practically excludes the majority of staking pools from creating blocks. There has yet to be a response from IOHK, the company behind Cardano and any of its product managers on the issue. Until then the Cardano community will remain divided over whether this is a blatant disregard for the basics of decentralization or merely a group effort to make block production process on Cardano more efficient. Mm, Well, that's the end of that. That's, 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 that's the end of that particular uh, article. Okay. So what do I have to say about this? Uh, This, Okay. Aside from this is why we Bitcoin. Who, who would have seen this coming? Honestly, how could you possibly have seen something like this come? Oh, for we've been talking about I've been talking about this for a long time now. And like, I ain't the only one. Staking is gameable. It, everything is gameable. Everything. Okay. But staking is ridiculously gameable. It is ripe for allegiance formation, and just like uh getting voted off the damn island um this is there's there's no difference in my mind here. You start doing shit like this and you can kiss your quote unquote decentralized blockchain goodbye. will it stop functioning? No, cardano is not gonna die. I hate it, but it's not gonna die um but uh. Stuff like this, I I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to be a part of this. From from an ideological standpoint, no, it doesn't matter if if I'm just don't want to be a part of Cardano from ideology. At this point, I don't want to be card part of Cardano because I don't want to make a whole bunch of other motherfuckers rich. Because that's exactly what's going on here. So if you're holding bags of Cardano, I don't know, man. I'd probably try to get out as quick as possible. PayPal apparently bending the knee. PayPal is evaluating blockchain use cases after the CEO reveals that he owns Bitcoin. This is the Daily Hodel staff writing for, oh my God, the Daily Hodel sometime this morning. A new job listing posted by PayPal shows that the payment Giant is looking for a director of anti-money laundering and blockchain strategy as the company appears to be exploring how it can harness the power of the emerging technology. The team member will be tasked with evaluating blockchain use cases on top of preventing financial crimes such as terrorism and money laundering. The successful candidate will also lead external partner diligence meetings related to blockchain opportunities and potential while reviewing relevant risks to the company's blockchain portfolio. This isn't the first time PayPal has grabbed headlines in the crypto and blockchain space. A few months ago, in an interview with Fortune, PayPal CEO Dan Schulman revealed that he personally owns Bitcoin. And in last uh, June of last year, PayPal joined Facebook's digital asset project, Libra. However, it quickly changed course and withdrew from the Libra consortium months later, becoming the first member to leave the controversial project, which has faced backlash from regulators around the globe. Shulman says that the company dropped out of Facebook's project after determining that PayPal could make more progress on financial inclusion. (laughs) Yeah, right. By focusing on its own initiatives. Quote, as we learned more about the Libra, and saw the amount of things that were still left to do and the amount of things we still had to do on our own roadmap outside of libra we said you know we think if we focus on our own roadmap we'll be able to advance financial inclusion faster than if we put all these resources against libra and oh my god the suit speak just drives me crazy so Libra, you know uh libra paypal I don't know, are they bending the knee? No, probably not. I think what's what's more going on here is that they're trying to stay relevant in this world uh, because their relevance is draining away pretty fast. And speaking of draining away, BCH-BSV block halvings will force miners to Bitcoin. A report. So William Suberg is bringing us this via Cointelegraph sometime this morning. Uh, Bitcoin miners will continue to capitulate due to low prices, but upcoming events for Bcash and BSV will fuel the turmoil, says a new forecast. In the latest edition of its State of the Network reports on March the 31st, CoinMetrics argued that Bitcoin was in a spiral of miner capitulation. This, it said, would get worse before it got better. Despite BTC-USD pair recovering over 70% in two weeks after hitting lows of $3,700, prices are still almost certainly declined below the breakeven price for less efficient miners. This is supported by a recent drop in Bitcoin's mining difficulty, which at nearly 16% was the largest negative move since 2011. Before the mining sector recovers, more pain is in store. You don't know that. Quote, we expect miners to follow a cycle of decreased profit margins, increased selling, capitulation, and a culling of the least efficient miners from the network, the report summarizes. Sounds like the network is keeping itself clean. More of that later, okay? Quote, once this cycle is complete, the mining mining industry should return to a healthier state that is supportive of future price increases. In the short term, however, turbulent times will continue to hit miners and impact Bitcoin. Next month, hard forks BCH and BSV will both undergo a block reward halving, reducing the number of coins awarded to miners each block by 50%. Bitcoin's own halving will only occur in mid May and will have the supply from miners from 12.5 to 6.25 BTC per block. This gives a one month window during which miners will direct more hash power to BTC as its block reward will be higher, despite the increased costs, says CoinMetrics. Quote, When Bcash and BSV have their block rewards, this should force miners to direct even more hash power to Bitcoin, as it will still have 12.5 native unit block rewards instead of 6.25 for about a month longer, the report adds. Quote, Therefore, we should expect difficulty increases for Bitcoin that should further squeeze profit margins for all miners, end quote. As Cointelegraph reported, analysts, particularly those who support the stock-to-flow price model for Bitcoin, 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 (coughs) Bitcoin are keenly awaiting the impact of the halving. At some point in 2021 and until 2024, stock-to-flow states BTC-USD pair should trade at an average of a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, that's the end of the article. Do I think it's going to be a hundred thousand dollars? Oh hell, I don't know. I'll tell you one thing. Plan B, the guy that came up with this, and I think it's a hundred million. I think it's like one hundred million or at one hundred million on uh, Twitter. Uh, but Plan, I think I'm pretty sure his his other handle is Plan B. Uh, he came up with the stock to flow model. And I, I am not going to go up against somebody who's been working in the freaking industry and in commodities for like 35 years or however long he's been into it. Um, but I'm not holding my breath for 100,000 BTC. What I'm, If I have to hold my breath for anything, it's like that bullshit from the Egypt bank, right? That's why I Bitcoin, Honestly. Now, if I'm going to be 100% honest, sure. Would I love it if Bitcoin went to $100,000? Oh, sure. It's not like I'm going to be pissed, but I'm not holding my breath for it either, okay? And that doesn't make me a, a, a POS, okay? it's just It just means that I'm trying to be realistic about this stuff. However, I can't ignore the stock-to-flow price model from Plan B. I just can't because it makes a lot of sense, you know, right now, like or after this halving, we're going to be pretty much neck and neck with gold as far as monetary em- or commodity emission rates. So the amount of gold, like the amount of dollars worth of gold refi- pulled out of the ground, refined and delivered is going to be about equal to the amount of Bitcoin produced out of the blocks and delivered we don't really have to refine it because it gets refined every 10 minutes. That's also why we Bitcoin, because we're continuously doing an audit of the entire situation every 10 minutes, unlike gold. In the entire, Ask yourself this. Has the entire world's supply of gold been fully audited? If that's ever happened and it hasn't, uh, when did it happen? Well, that's a stupid question. It hasn't ever been done. How much gold has been audited? I mean, we know that there's there's bars of gold you know, floating around with tungsten inside of it. We've seen it. We've even seen bars of gold that haven't been sullied by tungsten, but are being produced by people that are, they're, I don't know, we're told that they're questionable. Let's say, let's put it that way. In either event, it doesn't matter. We get an audit of the Bitcoin network, which means that we audit every single Satoshi every 10 minutes. I got a note over here in the corner that takes part of that every 10 minutes. Also, this whole thing with uh, watching these old miners uh, fall off the network, uh, it's good. It's actually a very good thing. And I look at the whole system, like let, let's let say if I'm going to find an analogy, I'm looking at a tree. Now I planted uh, six fruit trees, uh, this spring. And I don't know if all of them, if all of them will survive. All right. That's one of the hazards of of planting a tree that you bought bare root bundled at tractor supply. Okay. It's, they ain't the best quality tree, unless they survive in either event. I got six of these bad boys and as they grow, hopefully they will all grow, but at least one, let's say I got one that survives and it grows. At one point or another, it's going to have grown a a branch that it's no longer going to need. A good hailstorm or windstorm will probably take care of that shit for me. And probably some other stuff that's hanging on it. Maybe it's got some dead, I don't know, stuff that's like uh, built up dead leaves or something that's built up in a crotch. If it stays there, gets wet, it could be a source of infection for that tree. I get a good windstorm that blows a whole bunch of stuff around, like in our case, in Bitcoin uh, price drops is a good windstorm analogy. Then it will blow that crotch clean, and the survivability of the tree itself will be much, you know, much better, right? So I, again, I have never looked at Bitcoin as anything but a living organism, an organic being. Okay, it is subject the same things that keep organic beings all over the planet's face healthy and because every once in a while you got to stress something i mean even with even let's say that every branch survived and there was no stuff growing in the crotches of of my trees i would still want heavy windstorms to bend the tree because by doing that it's like working your muscles when you like go and lift you're tearing muscle fibers You build more muscle fibers when those muscle fibers that you've torn go through the repair process. So you build muscle that way. The only way that you build muscle is by breaking down the muscle first. This is no different. So people that are all running around screaming and tearing their hair out that this is going to be a fucking apocalypse, stop it. We've been through this so many times before, it's not even funny. There's nothing different. The only thing different about this one is that we'd be coming off of the heels of the coronavirus. And I just don't see how those two things relate to each other. But be that as it may, BCH and BSV miners probably will uh, capitulate and move over to the uh, BTC uh, network for about a month before they tuck their tail and run home to mama. And why? I don't know. I wonder how many will actually say, you know what, I'm tired of this. I I don't want to change over the miners and we're making pretty good. We're making pretty good scratch. So let's just stay here. That will be interesting to see. We know that they're going to come from uh, BCH and BSV. The question is how many stay? Uh, Now that's something I'd be interested in in, uh, finding out about, but we are, uh, screw this man. We're going to be moving on here. Lightning labs, Pushes digital authentication without passwords. Lightning Labs new LSAT. No, that's not the test to be a lawyer. The LSAT protocol standard wants to replace usernames and passwords with a Lightning Network payment stub. Oh my God, hallelujah. This is written by Decrypt staff for Decrypt.co. This was actually written sometime yesterday. What if you could log on to any of your favorite websites and services without an email, username, password? What if, instead of entering your personal information to join a social media platform, all you would need to do is send a one time micropayment and keep the receipt? This is the future Lightning Labs envisions with the Lightning Service Authentication Token, LSAT for short, at least in regards to how developers share access to infrastructure and services. Lightning Network-focused startup just released the specs for the standard which Lightning Lab CTO roast beef, because I cannot pronounce his name, teased during his pr- uh, presentation at last October's inaugural Lightning Conference. An LSAT is essentially a ticker or ticket slash receipt that serves as an ID credential for an online service. The tickets are encoded with information that tells the website what information The user is cleared to access. These are minted using a mix of old and new, the HTTPS error code 402, payment required, and Bitcoin's Lightning Network, a secondary network for faster and cheaper payments. The error code provides the basis for a paywall, while the Lightning Network provides the means of payment and the ticket, which is proof of authentication under the LSAT scheme. Users would pay for a service and receive a receipt for that purchase which they can then use to prove their identity for future logins. No passwords or username required. Roastbeef told Decrypt, LSATs may be useful for service providers that expose an end API to the user for certain services like renting storage, disk space, or access rights to data indices. According to Beef's post, the benefit here is in the flexibility LSAT provides. You could create tokens with expiration dates to create limited access, for example, or you could even charge customers using metered payments, which only invoice when a condition has been met, e.g. a developer paying for hosting capacity by the gigabyte. Quote, You get a bearer credential, which encodes what and how you can access the service. Roast Beef said before providing an example, quote, I could buy one of these tokens, then give you a restricted version that only lets you upload one megabyte per day on a Wednesday, end quote. In essence, this authentication works kind of like cookies, bits of data that keep track of what you do on certain websites that are stored on your computer. These cookies are held as reference points for the website and are retrieved when needed for LSAT. The payment receipt is stored for reference to grant access to online services. Lightning Labs is calling any and all intrepid Bitcoin Lightning Network devs to test its new toy and build on what it calls the Lightning Native Web. Oh yeah, it's gonna piss some people off, man. Lightning Labs has open-sourced Aperture, its own iteration of the LSAT protocol standard. Lightning Labs doesn't just want developers to see LSAT through its lens only, though. The startup is also encouraging developers to step up and build using the standard quote The Lsat protocol gives us a glimpse into lightning native web that is more global, private and extensible. Lightning Labs announcement reads <clears throat> quote We encourage the community to review our recently published specification and also give aperture a spin as well. We look forward to all the amazing things developers will build with this new standard and are supporting tooling. Okay. That's uh, in my opinion, this is pretty damn exciting. And it's a, a step towards an idea that I've had for quite some time and, a, and an idea that comes out of necessity. I cannot tell you the amount of times I've had to shut down a freaking credit card or a debit card uh, and get a new one from the bank. Because of a hack, not on my computer, but on several places that I keep my credit card up for, you know, payment information, right? Because we all pay things to people for doing stuff and, and reaching for things. Okay, so that said, yeah, I know it's 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 a terrible practice, but it is like when you've got the amount, you know, the number of different payments that I have to make on a particular month you're at one point or another, you're going to give over your numbers. It's just going to happen. So the problem is, is that somebody gets a hold of those numbers, my credit, you know, debit card numbers, and uh, maybe the CVC code and the expiration date and all that kind of shit that they say they don't keep on, uh, you know, on the website that, you know, in question, but they always do. And you just assume that they do. Now, then they take those numbers and then they go, like, I don't know, like, b- buy, like, can like beeswax candles was one thing that I saw in, like, a store in frickin' Utah. And I live in Texas. Clearly, my bank caught it and said, no, no, no. And, yeah, I know. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, bank said, no, no, no. Uh, but let's just drop that because that's just another bitch fest waiting to happen. So somebody, just because they have those credentials, are able to make these things. Okay, so now check it out. What happens if I set up and, like, let's say, a, a pay on the first of every month my electricity bill? But instead of giving them my credit card numbers, I give them a token, much like the LSAT token. And they don't really need, on their end, let's say we make it to where they don't really need uh, to know a whole lot about, in this case, let's say Lightning and the LSAT system. And what happens is that their system just generates me a Lightning invoice at the first of the month and they email it to me. And it's got an expiration of like, let's say, I don't know, 72 hours. I go to my email and I go, oh yeah, that's right. I gotta, I've gotta, i got to authenticate that uh, that invoice so that their payment can be made right so i do so and then that payment is made and on their side let's say they're using uh jack Mallers stuff where they just end up getting paid in dollars and they see like they don't see anything about the uh uh, satoshi's being converted into dollars they just get the dollars that's all they give a shit about right now however using lightning system they're able to without their knowledge generate me Uh, I don't know, like a challenge token. And then I have the answer token that way they can pull in, in a, in a, in a, a, this way, it's sort of like a push pull system. I like, I don't like the pull system because that means any idiot that gets hold of my information can pull money out of my account. I like the push system, but then I got to remember all this shit. Oh God, you know, I I forgot that I got to pay Netflix or something like that. All right. Now, with this system, if they give me a challenge token and I give them an authentication token, that means they pull and I push. They can't do the full pull without me pushing, and I can't push without them pulling. At this point, it takes two to tango. So I know who I'm dealing with. And I like. so the only other way to do this is if somebody said, uh, okay, I, I somehow or another, I I'm, I mean, let's say that they just are able to hack my identity somehow or whatever. And then they go to a store and their lightning invoice is generated and it comes to me via my digital identity. I just don't pay it. Fuck off. That's, that's what I, I put it like I pay them one Satoshi and then I put in a little message that says, you got hosed. Sorry for ya, Stop being a dick. And I, that's how we take care of that crap that lightning is really exciting to me because it's going to enable at one point or another, a two to tango system where the service that I want to pay sends me an authentication request. And then I have to authenticate that request, but it's done in a very, like it could be done in a text message. It could be done in an email. It could, I don't know. There's any number of ways to actually get this shit done, but it puts the decision as to whether or not I'm going to complete the transaction squarely in my court. That's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. That's the end of the snooze you can use round one. Let's get into some vitals. A relatively flat-ass day on traditional markets. Let's start this out with cnbc.com forward slash markets. Major indices look like this. Flat. They talk about flattening the curve, bro. We have the S&P 500 up 0.3%. NASDAQ is up 0.8%. Dow Jones Industrial is up half a percent And the FTSE is up almost a full percent. Now, as far as bonds uh mixed okay but let's see who's let's see who's negative nobody is negative but again the german 10-year bond at minus 0.462 percent yield how the hell can that even be a yield oh my god okay uh, oil is up 50 cents or two and a half percent and is last is 20.6 i've heard again heard yet another story that at one point oil prices hit $4 a barrel. I'm pretty sure what they're talking about here is, again, the heavy crude coming out of the oil sands in Canada. Canada. Because Canada doesn't really have any place to put their oil or a very easy way to move that oil around. It becomes sort of like... Yeah, we'll take it off your hands for a ridiculously low price while West Texas intermediate crude is still chilling out at 20. Will that last? Oh hell, I don't know. The Saudis have done this shit before. They did it in the mid-80s. I watched an entire town base, or you know, based on oil basically die uh when I was a kid. Oh my god. It was it was dreadful, but it's not like it hasn't happened before. This shit happens. He's got to deal with it, man. But in better market news, we have Bitcoin at 6,409, excuse me, 91, and our high is going to be at CoinsBit at 6,541. Our low looks like it's going to be over there at a hit BTC at 6,464. We've had. 271,000 transactions occur in the last 24 hours, with about 11,300 transactions occurring per hour. 890,000 BTC have been sent in the last 24 hours, and that makes about 37,000 BTC being sent on average per hour. Average transaction value is 3.27 BTC, and the median transaction value is right where I want it, 0.046 BTC, or about 300 bucks. Block times are low by about a half a minute, nine minutes and 25 seconds. 0.17 BTC have been taken in fees on a per block basis, and 26.75 BTC have been taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. Hash rate has dipped by half a percent. We are at 103 exahashes per second, and the last time no one did dick on Bitcoin was sometime yesterday. Ethereum is at 133, Bcash is at 221, BSV 167, Litecoin at 38.9, Ethereum Classic is at $5, Dogecoin holding strong at 0.0018 at 32,000 transactions per hour. It wipes uh, Litecoin out, but my God Almighty, what happened to Bcash yet one more time? 19,000 transactions in the last 24 hours for Bcash. Dogecoin is like almost double that. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's also really close to Ethereum Classic with its 33,000 uh, transactions in the last 24 hours. But there you go. Whatever. Now, my hash, my node's hash rate uh, or my node is telling me that the network hash rate is uh, 103 exahashes per second. So that is 100% in line with what uh, BitInfo charts just told me. Uh, We have uh, 32 megabytes in the mempool. That represents 21,000 unconfirmed transactions. As far as I can tell, in the last 10 blocks, all the blocks are full, which means 99.8% to 100%. Let's check out Lightning. This is bitcoin.clarkmoody.com forward slash dashboard. Again, that's Clark Moody. Clark, really good guy. Never met him. Cool name, though. Total capacity in the Lightning Network is 928.22 BTC, representing $6 million USD in liquidity. Total nodes is 6,658, with a total number of channels of 36,253. Now, the amount of BTC in Tor nodes is 375 BTC. That represents a small increase in the Tor capacity. We are up to 40.4%. And for as long as I've been tracking this, that seems to be the highest percentage of Tor capacity that I've seen. The number of Tor nodes is 1,938. That's going to do it for vitals. Have you ever noticed that the dude from BitMEX, Arthur Hayes, Looks a lot like O.J. Simpson sometimes. I'm looking at a picture of him right now on this uh, Bitcoinist.com article. And I swear to God, he looks exactly like O.J. Simpson in this. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. BitMEX Long on Bitcoin development increases grant to $100,000 U.S. Again, this is Bitcoinist.com. This is Christina Combin writing sometime this morning. HDR Global Trading that owns and operates BitMEX is committed to Bitcoin development for the long term. Today, the company announced that it will increase its 2019 grant to Bitcoin Core dev, Michael Ford, to $100,000. According to the BitMEX blog and as tweeted out by BitMEX Research on the 31st of March 2020, the company will be increasing its grant. This year to Bitcoin core developer Michael Ford, aka Fanquake. Nice dude. Nice. Love Fanquake. Uh, actually, I don't know who who the hell Fanquake is, other than that he's a, a Bitcoin core developer. HDR reviewed the 2019 grant, and decided to increase it from 60k over the last 12 months to 100k over the next 12. This, the company said, reflects its continued support for Bitcoin development. Quote, we would like to emphasize that our commitment to open source Bitcoin development is for the long term. And we look many years ahead when making these funding decisions. BitMEX Research posted a study on Bitcoin funding over the weekend. It found that the biggest contributors to Bitcoin development were Blockstream and Lightning Labs. However, other companies also make the ranking, including OKCoin, BitMEX, and Chaincode. Quote, Although the funding situation could improve, in our view, the data indicates that the ecosystem is in a reasonably strong situation with respect to developer funding based on metrics such as distribution of funders and transparency. HDR noted that in addition to the grant, the company has also posted a contract template on GitHub under the open source MIT license. This makes the contract between the company and the developer visible to all to ensure a high level of transparency. This, HDR said, was particularly important when it comes to funding open source projects to, as everyone can see the details of the no-strings-attached grant for themselves. Transparency isn't necessarily the first word that comes to mind when people think of BitMEX. And when, with some growing malaise from its users, solidifying its position as a long-term Bitcoin development supporter, Makes for some good public relations. The company also hopes that the contract may serve as a template for other potential grantors to copy to make it easier to fund open source developers from now on. So good for you guys. Telegram forks, or sorry, Telegram fork leaks data of 42 million users. That's right. 42 million with an m users telegram points the finger at third-party versions of its client which were scraped by an iranian hacker group daniel phillips writing this today for decrypt.co and he says the records of 42 million users from a third-party version of the popular telegram messaging app have just been leaked and if these figures don't include duplicate accounts this means around half of iran's citizens were affected by the hack according to population estimates from 2017. According to a recent report on the situation by Comparatech, the data was initially leaked by an Iranian hacking group known as Hunting System on an what the hell, elastic search cluster, a full-text search engine mostly used by Enterprise. The data had no authentication or access controls in place, meaning nobody... Who knew it was there could have easily accessed it. The data was removed almost a week ago, but now appears making the rounds on at least one prominent hacking forum where a user is selling the information claims to have found the data while surfing the internet. Telegram states that the information was scraped from two forked versions of his client, Hotgram and Talagram, two of the most popular Telegram alternatives in Iran since the official app is frequently blocked in the country because telegram is open source software this means that its code is freely available to use and modify thereby allowing anybody to create their own version of the telegram client (laughs) the data file comprised of a list of 42 million records including usernames phone numbers user account IDs, and secret keys for each user. Although the secret keys can't be used to access the affected user's account, the rest of the information could be used for a variety of purposes, potentially including spreading fake news, adding huge number of users to groups, and spamming. Although that's not the worst thing that Telegram is used for. Yeah, no shit, bro. Hoobie launches Bitcoin perpetual swaps with, get this, 125x leverage. Oh, God. As if we didn't have BitMEX. Come on, guys. Bitcoinist.com's Anatole Antovici is writing sometime yesterday. Singapore-based Huobi is the latest crypto exchange to launch Perpetual Swaps. The new product is live on Huobi DM, the company's derivative trading platform. BitMEX-like future contracts with no expiry times, commonly referred to as Perpetual Swaps, are becoming increasingly popular among crypto exchange firms. Last year, Binance and OKX introduced Perpetual Swaps, and now it's time for Huobi to join. Yeah, come on into the circus, bro. Huobi DM. Already provides crypto derivatives, including Bitcoin futures, with contract expiration of weekly, bi-weekly, and quarterly periods. Now the platform offers perpetual swaps. These derivatives allow traders to get exposure to Bitcoin without actually owning it. Yeah, What could possibly freaking go wrong? The product is similar to a futures contract that mimics the cryptocurrency spot price, but it has no expiry or settlement. Jesus Christ. Usually, platforms exchange payments between buyers and sellers every eight hours. According to Huobi DM, perpetual swaps represent a new derivative product that enables users to better hedge risk and create leveraged arbitrage opportunities in volatile market conditions. Put a tie on that suit, speak pal. Sierra's son, Huobi's group's VP of Global Business Unit, explained, quote, as we've recently experienced, sudden market swings can have a significant yet temporary impact on the broader financial ecosystem, but volatility itself is a very clear and normal part of market cycles. Perpetual swaps provide traders another tool in their arsenal to capitalize on market movements to create arbitrage. Put a tie on the suit speak, pal. It's likely that Huo will be monitored about how other exchanges behaved and implemented best practices from its own perspective. Particularly, the derivative platform allows a maximum leverage figure of up to 125 as in the case of Binance. This suggests that traders' initial deposit for a position can be boosted by 125x in order to maximize potential profits. (laughs) Maximize potential losses too, pal. Oh my god, you didn't put that in there, did you? However, the risk of loss... Oh, here we go. They they did put it in. Good. However, the risk of loss is much higher as well, which is why most experts warn that such instruments should be allowed for institutional and professional investors only. Elsewhere, BitMEX and OKX's maximum leverage is 100x, when Binance first announced its maximum lever, uh, leverage figure, it received a lot of criticism. However, Huobi claims that it offers some key risk management fe- features to minimize risk, including the partial liquidation mechanism and liquidation circuit breaker. The former gradually reduces a user's position rather than liquidating it in full in a single event. The liquidation circuit breaker is used in abnormal market conditions when the platform detects extreme deviations between the liquidation and market prices. Quote, Perpetual swaps have been on our roadmap for quite some time, but we wanted to ensure we had the right risk controls in place before we made it available to users, Asun explained. Initially, Huobi supports BTC swaps only, but it will add ETH, EOS, and LTC soon. Uh, recently, Bitcoin has reported that Huobi would compensate traders who lost funds because of the system failure during the crypto market crash. Oh my God. So please stop. Just honestly, just... Frickin' stop. Okay, uh, hold on for just a sec. Okay, for this last one, uh, this one's going to be a little bit longer than the normal uh, article length. This is for out of Coindesk. Can Bitcoin survive the climate change revolution? I'm just, I'm, wait, I'm waiting with bated breath to find out what kind of idiocy is in the middle of this one. However, this was pinned by, let's see who did this one, Ian Allison, and uh, he apparently sat down to publish this son of a bitch yesterday. Coronavirus might be the biggest story of the decade, but climate change will be the grand narrative of the century. I mean, the grand lie. Sorry, no, I mean, climates change, guys. They've been doing it since the creation of the solar system. And, well, the creation of creation. Stop being such a, Pussy. As energy of any kind becomes a premium value to the planet and the world's transport systems come into the electric grid, how will notoriously energy-hungry processes like Bitcoin fare? In financial services, environmental, social, and governance, or ESG, is becoming the new buzzword among impact-minded corporations. An example of this was the latest letter from BlackRock CEO Larry Fink promising a fundamental reshaping of finance. <clears throat> Bitcoin, although it's about also about fundamentally reshaping finances, earned a bad reputation when it comes to energy use, thanks to the vast number of specifically designed computers needed to carry out its mining process. How you choose to inter- interpret Bitcoin's energy consumption depends on your perspective. Bitcoin supporters might point out that pl- the PlayStation, for instance, uses up about as much power as the Bitcoin network According to research by Bitwise Asset Management, the reinvention of money they'll add is a much loftier goal than playing FIFA 2020. On the other hand, the Greta Thunberg or Thunberg generation may question what appears to be just another financial trading instrument, but one that consumes as much electricity as Chile, a country with 18 million people. The recent meltdown in markets caused by coronavirus raises other questions about Bitcoin's place in the world. Bitcoin, sometimes described as digital gold, was always seen as a safe haven for investors, uncorrelated as it was with the rest of the financial system. But the coronavirus shock saw Bitcoin fall even more precipitously than the stock market. Its recent ebbs and flows have mirrored that of the S&P 500. An economist and author, God Francis Coppola puts it, Quote, if Bitcoin can no longer be used as digital gold, what can it be used for? End quote. Shit, that should be the, today's freaking daily train wreck, but it's too late now. Some would argue the gradual encroachment of institutional money into Bitcoin as a high-yielding alternative investment uh, or asset class, comes with its own cost, a newfound correlation with the rest of the financial system. That's not all that much of a lie right there. Indeed, there has been an assumption from some quarters of the crypto world that it's only a matter of time until swaths of institutional investment will flow into Bitcoin. This will follow as the network becomes more regulated, they say, and things like dedicated exchange traded funds, ETFs, emerge. But... With a firm focus on ESG, that's that whole what What was that? ESG stands for, oh God, what is that thing? Hold on, I'm finding it. I'm finding it. Environmental, social, and governance. Okay, ESG. Environmental, social, and governance. Um, <clears throat> indeed, there has been an assumption from some quarters of the crypto world, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. <clears throat> But with a firm focus on ESG among institutional investors of any real size, that may not happen. After all, at least not anything like the scale once predicted, quote, I think Bitcoiners are very much hoping in the future that institutional investors will put their money into Bitcoin, said Alex DeVries, blockchain specialist at PwC, quote, but it's very unlikely that shareholders of those institutions will allow companies to invest in high carbon assets. So here we go. Get ready for the ride, y'all. It's not easy to take the temperature of large-scale buy-side when it comes to crypto. When Coindesk asked some of the largest investment firms if ESG concerns might be a factor regarding Bitcoin as a hedge, most of them declined to comment, quote, It was sort of this niche hippie topic for bleeding-heart liberals, and there were certain connotations with ESG that it was largely bullshit. End quote. However, one of the largest retirement funds in the US, which asked not to be named, said simply, quote, things like Bitcoin don't fit into our portfolio. Yeah, and you're going to get your ass sued. That's what's going to happen. You're going to get your ass sued for doing this. And that doesn't just go for Bitcoin. That literally is if any of these hedge funds that are used for like somebody's retirement, like publicly state that they are not including companies X, Y, and G or Z or whatever because of quote unquote carbon. And then those things explode despite the fact that they, you know, I don't know, make carbon. You're going to get sued for misfeasance. That's going to happen. And you're going to lose. And it's going to suck for you and all the people that, oh God, Honestly, the amount of cuckery in this in the world right now, I think, is actually at, at an all-time high. But let's continue. Within the confines of crypto, the question of ESG in relation to Bitcoin does occasionally come up, but it's relatively rare, said Matt Huygen, global head of research at Bitwise Asset Management. "Quote: I would say it comes up one out of every 20 serious conversations, he said. However, Huygen... Conceded ESG is certainly the topic du jour, and he expects to hear it mentioned more often. Quote, I agree that ESG has entered a new sort of era in 2020. It's the combination of Larry Fink's letter of the Australia wildfires, the California wildfires, Greta's popularity. I do think it's top of mind. I've overheard ESG investing conversations in coffee shops here in the U.S., which I've never done in the past, Huygens said. Now, an aside. Do you want your retirement fund manager to be taking direction from a 16-year-old, 16-year-old girl? Just think about that. Your future rests on the fact that somebody had a couple of wildfires and this chick is running around taking trains and shit and, and floating in boats that have to be, like whole crews have to be flown back and forth to pilot the son of a bitch. Honestly, honestly, that's what. If that's your fund manager, you need a new fund manager. I'm sorry, but that's ridiculous. That said, it's probably fair to say the Bitcoin community, for the most part, is not terribly concerned about environmental issues. Oh, perish the thought. For example, Meltem Demir's chief strategy officer of crypto-focused investment firm CoinShares, pointed out that ESG and environmental sustainability co- uh, tends to come in cycles. It was a big topic 10 years ago. Then it died down, and now it's big again. And Greta was six years old at the time, by the way, 10 years ago. Historically, ESG had sort of been a backwater of investing where you got sent if you weren't fit for front office, said Demir's. It was sort of the niche hippie topic for bleeding heart liberals, and there was certain connotations with ESG that it was largely bullshit. Okay, that's that same quote, but a good quote nonetheless. ESG warriors perhaps share some similarities with the crypto community. Both are growing in passionate movements, and both could be viewed as extremists by the mainstream stream financial services sector. And though some ESG fans see the value in blockchain for being able to track global supply chains, the goodwill does not extend to Bitcoin itself. Lauren Compare what's Compare? C-O-M-P-E-R-E, whatever, director of shareholder engagement at Boston Common Management, a majority employee owned and women led investment firm with over $20 billion in assets. Under management said millennials and post-millennials want to track how a particular T-shirt is made, for example, or check its provenance using, oh my God, a slavery app. A slave, a slavery app, guys. Jesus. Quote. I think from an ESG perspective, they are also looking at how does something like Bitcoin fit into the ecosystem, said compare What kind of impact does it have on things like climate? Is it a contributor? Is it an enabler? Brett Wyman, VP of Impact Investing at InvestNet, a provider of software to financial advisors, said it's a question of deciding if the benefit of cryptocurrency as a separate asset class outweighs the negatives of the environmental impacts of proof of work consensus mechanism. Quote, I think the climate problem will force Bitcoin to self-regulate or reconfigure itself. Quote, right now, I think the environmental impact is pretty extensive. I do think that Bitcoin is an interesting investment, but from an energy usage standpoint, my understanding is that it will only become more and more energy intensive to mine some of these currencies, said Wayman. That likely doesn't hold for cryptocurrencies based on less mining intensive proof of stake, oh God, which include the forthcoming overhaul of Ethereum, the second largest crypto by market cap. Martin Vieser, manager of thematic research at Sustainalytics, which is 40% owned by Morningstar, said there are clear environmental concerns when a coin relies on mining, which can be quite energy. uh, Sorry, I got distracted there. can be quite energy and carbon intensive, depending on where the electricity is coming from. Quote, a fundamental question for investors to consider is whether a cryptocurrency is a commodity that actually adds value In the early trends that we see, a lot of people appear to be buying and selling cryptocurrency as a short-term bet rather than a long-term investment. Sure, this gamble has paid off for some, but others have lost money. God, welcome to life, dipshit. Responsible investors typically look for long-term opportunities with a clear value proposition rather than a short-term betting opportunity, Vizier added. Quote, they weigh the environmental and social risks associated with an asset before adding it to their portfolio. No, they don't. Sorry, responsible investors don't do that. Millennial investors and little babies that wear diapers because they have not yet been toilet trained. That's what they do. That's exactly what they do. But a responsible investor is responsible for their investment. However, that works. See, whatever. While much of the data is based on estimates, it's thought that close to 75% of Bitcoin mining is fueled by renewable energy. This is actually true, guys. It's not bullshit. Bitcoin miners are nomadic and will migrate to the cheapest sources of energy. Over half of all Bitcoin mining takes place in China's Sichuan province, which has excessive hydropower capacity. The portability of Bitcoin mining rigs allow for interesting innovations, such as consuming wasted energy from oil wells. In such cases, trapped gas is vented into the atmosphere or burnt off by flare towers because it's not deemed worthwhile to capture and transport. Steve Barber, the founder of Upstream Data, which operates Bitcoin Mines, on oil fields in Canada, has even described Bitcoin mining as a conservation machine. The vented gas fuels a generator that the mining computers are plugged into. It's a relatively low capital expenditure for an oil company, said Barber, especially when presented with the prospect of future BTC returns. Upstream data is planning Bitcoin mining trials with Canadian Natural Resources, a Toronto stock exchange listed oil and gas producer that reported over $21 billion in revenue last year, Barber told Coindesk, quote, what we are doing with Bitcoin mining reduces venting of methane into the atmosphere, he said. It's an example of how an ESG narrative around Bitcoin is at least incomplete. <clears throat> However, Martin Weinstein of the Yale Open Climate Project, an advocate of cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology generally, said he remains skeptical of such green endeavors, quote, even though they have gotten very creative to be energy efficient at sources where you have waste. Bitcoin is out of control. It doesn't work the way it was designed for. <laughs> That's a train wreck. Said Weinstein or Weinstein or Weinstein. I don't know. Whatever, dude. I think the climate problem will force Bitcoin to self-regulate and reconfigure itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm <clears throat> sure I'm sure your weight will be uh, well, uh, well-deserved. Well, well deserved. All right. <clears throat> okay. Cuckery aside, bedwetting aside, changing soiled diapers aside, <clears throat> this is the same argument that we've heard time and time again. Uh, but the, the here the problem with the space is that it's a small space, and new people are coming into the space every single minute. It seems. I, I keep getting you know like the the. Uh, Twitter accounts that follow me the most are Twitter accounts that have less than 100 followers. And they were started like, I don't know, a couple of months ago. That is the majority of the people that that follow me on a daily basis. That tells me that new people are streaming into the space. It won't take long before bedwetting of any of the new people begin. And we're, you know, as parents, it's our duty to make sure that we change their diapers and clean them up and powder their ass and make sure that they stop crying and bitching and then go feed them something. I don't know. It is. It is absolutely up to us. And it's going to be people like Steve Barber. And from what I understand, Marty Bent is now working for a company that is involved in the same, uh, the same type of thing where the company he works for is setting down mining rigs and jennies onto oil platforms well, not onto the platform, but close to it, and uh, tap the what would be vented methane to run the Jenny, which produces electricity uh, to run the Bitcoin mining rigs, and thereby converting something that you would have to build a huge pipeline for you know combined you know tens of thousands of miles when it's all said and done into just being able to shoot shit out at uh, uh like satellites, although that's not necessarily done, it's actually more like you know radio uh radio type uh transmission of data in the, via the internet okay, so that's sort of it sort of condenses uh the gas pipeline down to a stream of bits that uh a one watt you know transceiver can uh, send over the atmosphere yeah you know, or through the atmosphere right so it's it's really great that way also. <clears throat> We're and we're going to see more of that. And one of the things that I think about all the time is the fact that you can uh, convert wood. Uh, you can actually get the volatile gases out of wood through a type of low oxygen combustion, and it will also run a generator. But the thing about it is, if you do this right, it leaves almost 98% cure, pure carbon behind, which is extraordinarily good for soil. And when it's in the soil, it lasts for tens of thousands of years because it is in a recalcitrant form of carbon. And the recalcitrant uh, word, all all that really means is that it's very, very, very difficult for it to get into another form of carbon, like carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, turned into sugar. It just wants to stay with its homies, its other carbon, right? So charcoal in the soil remains for tens of thousands of years. I see a situation where if you look at all the municipal waste, grass clippings, leaves, fallen branches that have to be uh, chopped up, uh, Asplund is a company that is contracted by most municipalities, at least in my neck of the woods in Texas, and they go through the alleys and they chop all the branches that are in danger of screwing up telephone lines, cable lines, and power lines. So they, they basically chop all the branches that are going to screw up utilities. And they chip them. And then they haul them to a dump. And then they dump them. The problem here is that ultimately those will not last 10,000 years as a source of carbon. So what I keep thinking is, okay, we'll, we'll get a couple of 18-wheelers. And on one 18-wheeler, the entire thing is stuffed full of miners. And on the other 18-wheeler is a biochar facility, which actually turns wood or other, you know, carbonaceous containing materials because it doesn't have to be just wood. It can be grass clippings. It can be leaves. And all of this stuff has volatile gases in it once they start being released under heat in a low oxygen environment. That is why shit burns, by the way. Just saying and travel around to all the municipalities that are trying to figure out a way what the hell they're going to do with all this chipped wood because there's only so much that they can send out as landscaping material. I've got, I live in a town that sub 20,000 people. If I go to our dump, I will see three mountains of chipped wood. And it ain't, it's been there for as long as that I've been living here. It ain't going nowhere. And I could turn it to, I could literally get rid of it inside of probably a couple of weeks and mine Bitcoin on it. And once it's all gone, I'll head over to another municipality and take care of the same. And I could go on tour doing that. And all the time I'm producing pure carbon that I can either... Sell to farmers to put in their land, but they're not going to buy it because it, the whole issue here is that you need to teach people why this shit works. But there's other ways there there's other I mean, hell we could even look at getting government grants to subsidize the farmers. I know you hate government. I hate them too, but hey, as long as they're going to be free with the wallet, you might as well. And all I'm saying here is that there is more potential than ever before. Just by using a little bit of brain power to figure out how to stop the bedwetters from wetting their bed, right? Just by saying, look, if this, when we do it this way, we can get all the stuff that we want out of it, and you're left with recalcitrant carbon that goes into the soil that will last 10,000 years, and because it's in the soil, it ain't in the atmosphere. Thereby, you turn Bitcoin into a situation that necessitates the scavenging of carbon dioxide out of the air and putting it into the ground where most of it really belongs. I'm just saying. Well, with all that said, I'll go ahead and leave it there for the second part of the snooze you can use. Daily train is brought to you by Bitcoin Meme Hub, Meme Hub, or at Bitcoin Meme Hub, all one word. And no, he's just bringing us the train wreck. He's in, in and of himself, is not the actual train wreck. That uh, goes to Craig Wright. I know you guys hate hearing about Craig Wright, but uh, it's just too good. It's just too good not to do, okay? So, bear with me here. Um, Quote, Bitcoin tokens are property. Following the purchase of Bitcoin, where you haven't met customer due diligence and know your customer requirements and recorded the identity of the person you're attempting to buy from, you face a scenario where good title does not pass. Amazingly enough, the Medium article where idiot Craig Wright wrote that particular pile of garbage is giving me a 500 error. Yes, that's right. It was uh it Medium.com forward slash in-chain forward slash the property flaw of lightning, and now it ain't there. It's just uh, it. Uh, so I don't know if it's not. It's an error 500. So I don't know if it's. It, Uh, mediums problem or the actual pages problem, but it was, Oh God, he's talking. There was actually a a part in there that I was going to read to you where he essentially says that if you were to buy Bitcoin without this, all this KYC shit, if like, let's say that you sent me a Bitcoin because I did, I don't know, some, some job for you, but because I didn't do KYC and, and this whole customer due diligence, that I would in effect be stealing the Bitcoin. I I stole stole the Bitcoin. Someone please tell me why this man still breathes. So anyway, there's your smoldering pile and we'll get right on into how dad says jokes. Uh, How many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? Tentacles. So bad. I almost hurled. Okay. Chicken report. Uh, we decided to not go with refurbing a shed that was in the back. And the reason is because there was a part of it, <clears throat> or uh, the front door and two of the side panels were so far gone that while I could just wrap it with, you know, uh, chicken wire, if it were to rain, uh, if the direction of the rain was correct, uh, it would just flood the inside and chickens getting wet are that da- you don't want that. You do not want wet chickens, uh, disease. I mean, it, it's just bad for chickens for them to be wet. So <clears throat> we went ahead and bit the bullet and just bought a kit the kit. I can't remember the name of it right now, bought it at tra- uh, tractor supply, uh, unfinished, which means that a, I have to put it together. B I have to stain it. Okay. The wood is untreated. It's not painted. It's not stained. It's not prepped in any way. And if you want it to last, you, you better stain it. So, uh, I put it together in dude. It's like, literally it's a one beer job. I put that son of a bitch together inside of one beer. I was amazed at how easily that thing went together. Now, staining it is not a one beer job. There's so much surface area and so many nooks and crannies. That's like sort of an all-day deal. And it's better if you do two or three coats. But since we got it put together a couple of days ago, last night was the second night in a row that the chicks spent the night in their new home. So they are no longer in the basement. They are now completely 100% outside. It's been quite cold last couple of nights. So I put their heat lamp, their brooder heat lamp inside the coop area and uh, closed everything up when we put them in at night and just let it go overnight. And this is the second night that we, last night was the second night that we did that and all is well. All of the little guys are doing, are doing just fine. So there's your chicken report. And I don't know, man, kind of a weird day, kind of a little bit of a slow news day, uh, people freaking out, bedwetting occurring. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just watch it out there and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.